Welcome to episode 161. Do you ever wonder who's going to want to come back to worship when this whole COVID thing is over? There's some really fascinating research that Barna has done to suggest that we need to really be paying attention to the trends we're seeing now. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 161 of The Reclaim Leader. Man, it is almost Thanksgiving, and we are so excited. Jason Tucker here with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Doing well, Jason. Um, I'm ready for some turkey. Let's go. Let's ready. get this thing going right here. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's um, that time of year, you know, I, and, and such a different kind of year. People trying to figure out what does it mean to be together with family? Should we, shouldn't we? And just a lot of decisions to be made around this time. And in fact, I was um, uh, reading about how some uh, national grocery store chains and others are adapting to what they think will be uh, the adapt adaptation of some people's habits around Thanksgiving. So they're doing way more just like turkey breasts instead of whole turkeys. They're doing alternative kinds of things like that because they, they suspect that the gatherings won't be as large this year. So big grocery store chains like Kroger and Walmart and others are trying to pivot and adapt just like so many other organizations and, and businesses and churches are trying to do. So we'll see what happens. I don't know, but I'm going to have some turkey this Thanksgiving. What about you? <laughs> Absolutely. And it is interesting because when you think about it kind of at a high level, you think about all the decisions that all of these organizations are having to make based on the pandemic. And, you know, it's it's happening everywhere. But but here's the good news in, in what I see in both kind of like the Thanksgiving and already the Christmas stuff that's all over the place is people have a real longing for that sense of escape and comfort and nostalgia and entertainment. And I think those are things that the church can speak to and leverage for the sake of the gospel. I mean, we, we were talking a couple episodes ago about Christmas and already, I mean, gosh, as we're recording this, it's the beginning of November. Uh, well, I guess close to midway November. And I mean, I've never seen so many Christmas decorations up, lights up on people's houses. That's people right. are jacked up for the holidays right. because they want that fun in that yeah. normal sense and, and all of that. So yeah, it's, it's wild. A, it's wild. It's a see. grasping for the way things were, or, you know, like all of that. And so makes total sense. Yeah. Our kids were noticing that a neighbor down the street went all out. The Santa Claus is already on the line, you know, like the inflatable <laughs> thing. And just like, it's like, wow, November 11th. And here we are with uh full on Christmas. And so, you know, we actually got some of our Christmas decorations down out of the attic. Um, and it felt really good. It felt, uh, I guess, normal to, to be doing something like that in the midst of everything else going on. So anyway, that's not what this episode is about. We wanted to <laughs> mention Thanksgiving, kind of hit on that. And, you know, hopefully you are finding time this week uh, to, to give thanks, to find some things to be grateful for. Man, gratitude is is so important in in the midst of anxiety, uncertainty, taking stock of what we do have. Uh, and giving thanks to God for those things can actually be really healthy for our hearts and our heads. So I hope that, you know, as you're listening in, take some time this Thanksgiving to give thanks and to invite your your people to do that too. 
Absolutely. And, you know, as we're now navigating church life in the holidays, today I wanted to just kind of drill down on some of the things that people are seeing and what we're seeing in our church and some of the folks who talk about church in America all the time. I'm going to reference Barna and also a a guest on Barna's blog, Carrie Newhoff, who many of you know, uh, had some interesting data that's been coming out of the research that's going on around what do people in different generations want when it comes to worship? When, when COVID's over, how many are planning on coming back right away? Um, which generations are the ones, and we could probably guess, but which generations are the ones who are just the most invested in a sense of place? And I think this is worth talking about because something that the church has largely been ignoring over the last 20 years has been this trend away from the primacy of weekly in-person worship. And now, again, we've been saying this and everybody's saying this, COVID has just accelerated that trend so much. It, we really can't afford to ignore it anymore. And so today is really just talking about you know, kind of getting on some of those talking points. And I'm going to reference the blog post here that Carrie Newhoff did with Barna because I think it's really, really helpful. Cool. Yeah, I like it. I think it's, those are important things for us to start thinking about now. You know, uh, in the news this week, we, we heard about a vaccine that was really successful, 90%. And so, you know, at least on the horizon is the end of COVID as we know it now. And the timing of that is still to be, ter- be determined. But it's important that we as leaders start thinking concretely now about what life after COVID is going to be like. Yeah. Um, so this is an opportunity to begin that uh, that thought process and to know what we're up against as we're going forward. Absolutely. So one of the things in this article um, is uh, kind of a a picture here or a graphic of the different generations, uh, Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, and Boomers. Actually, doesn't include builders in this in this graphic that I'm seeing, but I we can probably extrapolate from the data what what the builders might be. But um, if, if you're looking at how many, I mean, I guess people were asked, church people were asked of different generations, after the COVID-19 pandemic, what kind of church gathering will fit your lifestyle best? And the options are primarily physical gatherings, primarily digital gatherings, both or neither. And it's fascinating to see what the results were. Here's Gen Z. So these are, um, they are about 19 years old and younger now. Um, I think when you get to a certain young age, they they start counting that as whatever the next generation is going to be. But some somewhere in those kind of middle school to early college years uh, are digital natives, Gen Z. 41% say that when this whole thing's over, that coming back to physical gatherings is will fit their lifestyle best. Only 41%. And these are these are church kids of Generation Z. This isn't just the general population. So obviously that's very low. And then, um, but others say 13% primarily digital gatherings. But this is interesting. 38% say both. Hmm. Say both. Like they're up almost as many who say physical say they're down for both. And actually, relatively speaking, a pretty small percentage, 13% compared to the other two, want only digital. I, I think that's really fascinating, right? That yeah. there is still a desire for the connection and and community 
and not just digital, which is important because I think we might all assume that, no, they just want to do everything online. Yeah. Well, and then there's that tether to, you know, um, in person that matters. And we've even seen that play out in the pandemic. There's a desire to be together. Maybe they can handle a little less often than maybe their previous generations, but they still want that connection to physical community in some way. So if you add that 41% plus the, what was it? 38%. 38, there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a really healthy number that wants some form of in-person gathering or, and will participate in that going forward. Um, you know, a big good chunk of those won't be there every week, but they still want that as an option and, and, and for their life as a follower of Jesus. I almost wonder if this poll were taken before the pandemic, I wonder if it would lean more heavily digital. I wonder if... Yeah, good question. If the kids' experience of hybrid school makes them appreciate in-person community more. Yeah, it certainly could be. I mean, we've seen that in our youth group here at Marine View. We're seeing more kids than we've ever had and we're doing it outside and it's 39 degrees and kids are showing up in shorts and t-shirts, but it's what they do, (laughs) I guess. Anyway, but we're growing and part of it is because there is such a, a hunger for community to be in person, to be physically connected. And so, yeah, I, that's a good question, Jason. I, I'd be curious to see, because I do think we were probably lagging behind in the online content and, and meeting that need. And now there's a desire maybe to kind of swing back and, and have that, that rootedness in community physically. So I don't know, be curious to find it, out. It's funny you say that. So are youth groups the same? I and mean, they're just like blowing up right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and particularly amongst our middle school kids. Those are the awesome. highest numbers. And it's just, it's fascinating, right? They, they really, they really are hungry for it to be together because, you know, my kids, my two boys just went back to four days a week, half days this week. Although it's funny because in New Jersey, it's not looking good. Like they're probably yeah, you guys are going back down to, again, but, yeah. but what they, what they've said uh, over the last couple of days is I, I get to see everybody at once. I don't ever get to see everybody. Because before yeah. it was like they were in cohorts. Sure. Now they're kind of all back. Like, oh my gosh, I see you're in so much more exciting and better. They really feel it. Yeah. And um, and I'm, I'm just curious to see if there's a correlation yeah. with church. And we've all kind of gone, you know what? In person is a lot better than Zoom. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it just yeah, yeah. is. Even though I love that we have this tool available. I love that we can do things online. I think this reiterates to me and really drives home the point that going forward, we need a hybrid strategy, Right. You got to have a robust online, um, you know, worship and strategy related to discipleship and, and the whole of your life with your church. But it doesn't mean we're throwing away the physical gatherings and the in-person stuff. And I think that's going to be received as good news for some people who are maybe like, I don't know, do we even need a building anymore? All, all yeah. those empty office buildings and downtowns and virtual work and all that. Um, so I think yes is the answer. We still need a campus. We still need a place to gather. Yeah. So then if you look at what other generations say, so the millennials are roughly the same, you know, so the Gen Z numbers were 41% physical, 13% digital only, 38% both. Millennials say it was 42%, also 13%, and then 40%. So it's very, very similar, right, between Gen Z and millennials. So about 82% say some form of in-person gathering is going to be important to me going forward, whether it's every week or not. Absolutely. Awesome. But, but also showing like, you better have your digital gatherings going as well. That's like right. that's Well, and, and the test case for these younger generations is, you know, 
it is kind of their litmus test. Is this a cringeworthy thing that I'm experiencing online? (laughs) It is. Don't ask that question. I don't want to know the answer. Like, don't tell me if it is right. Just pretend that you like it. But the, I do think that's, you know, our credibility is going to be at stake on what, you know, by what we do choose to do online and how we choose to do it. That's the, that's the currency of that generation. And so how do we, how do we navigate that world? Well, knowing that the physical in-person stuff is going to matter too. But if you're like me in, in our church, I think if, if we're not careful, we'll default back to a primary focus on the in-person gathering stuff. Yeah. And we'll lose sight of the the digital stuff because it's not needed in the same way as it was during the pandemic or the urgency of the pandemic. But man, we got to have it in place. And I think those stats bear that out, that hybrid model where we're giving as much attention to what we do online as to what we're doing in person. Um, As our friend Michael Hottie says, that digital architecture, what are we presenting to the world through our our web platforms and and online, that stuff, it it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Now, interestingly, uh, with our generation, Generation X, uh, there's there's kind of a big jump. Uh, yeah, we just say, don't ask me any questions. I'm not telling you any answers anyway. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, right. I don't know how accurate this is because I'm yeah, surprised right. I found any Gen Xers to answer. That's right. But um, the physical, primarily physical gatherings jumps up from 42% to 47%, which is a significant increase. Uh, instead of 13% digital Gen X likes about 11% digital only, and then 39% hybrid. So it yeah. does jump a bit, but I don't yeah. think it's that crazy far off from younger generations. I think what everybody figured out was, you know what? I kind of like this yeah. at-home work. Yep. I kind of like doing things, having church meetings from my study at home. I kind of like this rhythm you know, yes, I wish everything was open. Yes, I wish the pandemic was over. Yes, I wish I can kind of gather the way that I want. But there are also some silver linings here. And I think yeah. most of us, I, I would say, you know, Gen X and millennials represent probably the largest section of the workforce. And so I imagine that there's some correlation there. I, I would think so too. Yeah, I think there's been something um, in the experience of, of this pandemic that has shown us something about yeah, it's, it's good to be home and the virtual thing. I mean, the early kind of opinions on that, man, this is really great. Then we started to see it drop off and go, you know what? But being tethered to a physical location actually does have value and is important. We started to see that trend come later. And uh, last night we had a session meeting here at Marindia. That's our leadership team or sort of our board of directors in the Presbyterian world. And one of them was saying, I don't know, man. I really like being in my pajamas, sitting in my comfortable couch, watching the service online and, and worshiping that way. And let me tell you, our pews are not comfortable. And, you know, it, it was a joke. He was kind of joking around. But I do think there's some validity to that. Yeah. Some of these people were serving five to seven hours on a Sunday morning and now are, you know, have a 40 minute service where they can sit and enjoy that with their spouse or their family or whatever. So yeah. it, 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 it is, I think it's going to change a lot of things. And if you translate some of those numbers of, you know, um, those folks that want to be online some of the time and in person some of the time, that's also going to translate downstream to our volunteer pool, to what we can do in person, how much, how many people we should plan for on Sunday mornings. And should we have two services or only just one or, you know, some of those things are going to come into play, not because people are walking away completely from the church, but because that pattern we noticed before of, of more modest attendance, maybe one to two times a month, that is that is now set in stone, I think, uh, yeah. is what we're seeing in some of these numbers. I, I think that's right on. 
And now, so let's look at the baby boomers. So this is fascinating to me. So if Gen Z primarily want physical gatherings, Gen Z, 41%, millennials, 42%, Gen X, 47%. What do you think the percentage is for boomers? Yeah, if I was guessing, I would say probably like 10% of them want to come back in person, maybe eight. No, I'm getting, I mean, (laughs) we know, right? We can guess generationally. This is probably the group that's going to want to be back primarily in person is going to be our focus. So what, what is, what was the number? 71%. Yeah. So seven out of 10 baby boomers, when this thing's done, they want to be back in person primarily versus yeah. online. Now, what was the online and in-person number there? Just so online, online 2%. Okay. Yeah. Which is right. That's drastic. So and online only was just two out of a hundred. Okay. Yep. And then both 24%. Okay. So you know, we got a, a quarter of the people out there saying, you know what, I kind of, I've adjusted to this new thing and I don't mind that. But the vast majority are saying, we're back. We're going to be the ones sitting in your seats and in your pews after this is all said and done. Huh. Interesting stuff. Yeah. This is wild, right? So that means there's a 30 point gap yeah. between Gen Z and boomers. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, yeah. that's... Probably we could have guessed at that, but it does say something, right? Yeah. And here's here's the thing, and this is just coming into my head, so bear with me for a minute. I tend to think about the people that I see physically in front of me as I'm working on a message, say I'm working on a sermon and I'm writing it. I'm thinking about who's going to be there. And I think it's going to be really crucial if if seven out of 10 boomers are coming back and only four out of 10 millennials or Gen Z are coming back. The people in the pews, it's going to skew towards the baby boomers, right? And so there might be this pull to want to just speak to that generation primarily. Don't forget about that other 40% that are going to be viewing online. Um, How do we keep that audience in mind going forward? We got that that split audience. And I think think one of the ways that you do that is you got to have, you got to make it a priority to put young people in positions of primacy, like yeah. Whether it's in worship. So, so we have actually a teenager who in a rotation will do the prayers for us for our online service. Yeah. And that's, that's by, she's great at it. She's gifted at it. And we have no problem putting her up there front and center. And I, and it says something for those younger generations. And in fact, we hear it from, from her peers. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. And we're, it's so cool to see her do that. And we use them in our worship band all the time. I mean, there are, there are pros and cons to having a worship team that reaches out to many volunteers to make it work. Um, the con is you don't get a consistent product week, week in and week out. And, and sometimes it's not, let's say, professional grade, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, you make a lot of room for a lot of different people in multiple generations to lead together. And, and so we use them in our band as well. So I, I think that's one thing you do. And then, you, I mean, you got to get young, young leaders around the table. Yeah. And you got you to have them as part of the conversation as you're thinking about what you're going to be talking about. What, what are the pain points for you? What matters to you? What, you, you know, what kinds of things do you want to hear about? What, about what your faith has to say about the life that you're living? And so having different generations in your life and in your leadership circles is going to help that. Because you and I, we're rooted in our Gen Xness. And we can reach kind of one way or another, but that's what I'm speaking primarily from that place, unless I'm really intentional about thinking about other people's perspectives. And 
you know, I don't know if this is still true. I think for a long time, the conventional wisdom that was that our best reach is 10 years older and 10 years younger. It makes sense, right? Because, yeah. you know, you kind of reach the people that are most like you or most closest to you generationally. So having a variety of people in your worship leadership, in your overall leadership team, I think is going to be crucial to meeting all the various needs that are showing up through something as simple as that. Are you coming back to church and how are you going to do it? Kind of survey. Do you know what else I think it means? I think it means we got to spend some money on our online um, ministries. Easy, Jason. Now, easy. We've got to, right? (laughs) We've got a staff for it. Yeah. And most of us, we have staffing models that are already, they were way out of date before the pandemic. True. Yeah. You know, I think we have to take a hard look at where we're putting our money. And I, we just can't, it can't be the leftovers that go to the digital ministry. It really can't. It's got to be intentional. And I think this is, this is a challenge because, um, Again, the, a lot of times the people in the room that are making those leadership decisions are from the baby boomer generation because they have the time they're serving as elders now. They've kind of come to that place of senior leadership in the church. And if seven out of 10 of them are planning to come back, they might say, well, what, why do we need all that fancy gear in it? Why do we need a staff person for that? But what I do think is a gift during this pandemic to all of us is that I think everybody gets it now, or at least we can make a good intellectual case, even if they don't ultimately yeah. believe it. But hey, listen, this is why this matters. Look look at what we've been able to do uh, to improve our online um, experience for folks over this uh, over these last months. Let's, let's keep that going. Let's not give that up. And I don't know, uh, Jesse, if you have a lot of research on how the demographics are going as far as who's engaging with you online. Um, for us, it's been really, really interesting to see what our engagement has been between services and to try to guess where it is generation generationally generationally speaking um you know if you're if you're in gen z you're most likely not watching our worship or participating in our worship services there are some there are some but uh, i would say that's a really small number but they're packing out our other midweek community opportunities so we see that as a win even mm-hmm. though you know uh, and it's an interesting mix between in-person and online. So I, th- I think I mentioned before that we went to a very conservative way of calculating our, our online because we didn't want to overestimate because I don't think yeah. that really helps us. So we kind of went the route of underestimating. And this is really interesting. So before the pandemic, we were worshiping, I would say about 540-ish a, a week. And they're saying that, you know, when people return, it's about 36% is what's happening nationally. And we're doing three services because our capacity is diminished to uh, 25%. And um, so in person, this is just last week's numbers. In person, we had 250 people between the three services. About 25% 25% of them sat outside. We, we put speakers outside. Hey, that's awesome. Because people were just cool. Like, I'm not ready to come in yet. And the weather's still okay. We'll just sit up. With so they bring their own chairs and they listen to the service, which is totally interesting. Um, and then we had about, we, we have two different online services, a traditional and a contemporary. And we had 88 people watch the traditional and 160 the contemporary and we, and 90 of those watched us live. So 
you want to count all the live worship, it was about 340. And then we also track 24 hours of viewing. Yeah. And, you know, so that gets us to about 500, which is interesting because that's not too far off from where we were. Yeah. yeah. But it's totally different. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. And, I, and I'll say this. Our traditional baby boomers are by far the most consistent people who sign up and participate in in-person worship, and it's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, in, in another kind of way that we've noticed things kind of breaking out, and it's just funny um, how politics drive behavior, you know. So, so people who lean a little bit left to center or a little bit right of center, that's actually been, regardless of generation, has been a driver for whether they're willing or ready to come back in person or not. Fascinating to me yeah. to, to watch that. I don't know who people voted for and what their politics are specifically, but you can kind of guess a little bit based on that and some you know conversations over the years and things like that. So I think that's one of the other ways that our in-person versus online has has broken down over these year, uh, over this year, that some people are not ready because they actually think that staying home is a good idea and the politically expedient, you know, thing to do. And it's good for everybody. Others are saying, no, this is our right to gather and our freedoms. And so it's just, it's fascinating as a purple church, you know, we, we have people kind of all over the map. And uh, so that's another pattern that we've noticed. And um, so we've worked really hard to say again and again, if you're choosing to stay home and do Marine View church online, that's fantastic. We're so glad and hope this is helpful and encouraging to you. And if you're gathering with us in person, that's a great option too. So whatever you're comfortable with, whatever's right for you. I don't know. I don't think that's milk toasty in the middle and, and lukewarm. I just think it's, it's meeting people where they are right now. So it sounds like we're going to need to be doing that generationally going forward. You got to meet yeah. people where they are uh, right now in the midst of the pandemic. We got to meet people where they are with their various comfort levels. So those dynamics are all in play. And I love this. I, you know, the Barna group does such a good research and, you know, the polling, you know, that has gotten a kind of a bad rap, but you know, the last couple of weeks, but good data is so helpful having some numbers to look at. And, you know, they're, they maybe aren't absolutely definitive, but they do give us something to think about something to kind of point to and say, you know, based on this, what, what would that mean for our strategy going forward? Yeah. So I do, I do appreciate these kinds of stats and getting to see um, kind of a high level view from a, a group that's really figured out how to, how to investigate what's going on in the church pretty well over the years. And to your point with data, so pastors, if you're looking to initiate change in your church, this is how you do it. You use all the data you could find to build a sense of urgency. That's the first step of leading yep. change in your church Absolutely. is building a sense of urgency. You do that through the research. And so I want to encourage you, you know, check out the Barna articles, pass it on to your elders, start having that conversation because what happens is then it, it gives legitimacy to what you intuitively feel, right? Yeah. It, it backs it up or sometimes it, it course corrects it. You're like, you know what? I was maybe a little off in my assumptions here, but most of the time I think pastors are pretty right on. It's just, yeah. Yeah. you know, how do you explain your intuition to somebody? Well, you don't, you have, you need to sort of build on that. Yeah. And, and really capable people in your congregation, great leaders, maybe they're leading in their business place or what organization or whatever out there, you know, they, they want to see, they don't want to hear just anecdotes, right? Stories are great, but show me, show me the numbers, show me the data. Um, and 
having people like that on your team that will respond to the data is, is a big deal. It's like having a consultant next to you, right? That can say, yeah, listen to Jason. Actually, what he's been saying these past few months is spot on. It, it, it gives legitimacy and credibility to some of the things that, that you might be saying. Absolutely. Well, man, I'm thankful for all of you out there. Thankful for you, Jesse. Thankful yeah, for the thankful podcast. For you, you know, we get to we get to do this uh, every week. And uh, again, it's just um, it's one of my favorite things to do every week. So uh, glad that you all are along for the journey. I hope you find this helpful. I know today wasn't really a uh, an episode of answers, but I do think the way you get to the answers, you got to make sure you're asking the right questions. And I think Absolutely. the data helps point us yeah. to that. And data helps us ask great questions. We go, what does this mean? What are the implications of this for us and uh, what we're going to do strategically going forward? So anyway, I, I do hope this is helpful to everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving out there. Jason, happy Thanksgiving to you and to your family, your crew there in New Jersey. And, uh, uh, you know, in the meantime, keep leading, man. We're heading into that Christmas stretch right now. And I hope there's some really, really solid points of connection for you with not only God's love for you and why he sent Jesus into the world for you, but for your congregations too, to really just get a taste of that Christmas season that we're all longing for. The evidence all the Christmas decorations that are already out in yards all over the place. <laughs> all right. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.